I want to leave you with a verse, okay? This is a verse that I've been reading since I was a little kid. And I've sometimes actually not spoken probably respectfully enough about this verse. Because when everybody was doing praise and worship choruses from the Old Testament, some of the language used there doesn't relate much, at least initially, to us. And I, I was at some churches that before I went up to preach, this was in Duluth, Minnesota, they were sang for like 20 minutes, the horse and the rider, he's thrown in the sea. The horse and the rider, he's thrown in the sea. And I was thinking, what that got to do with my life right now? I don't want any horse and rider to be thrown into any sea. I don't want to see anyone get hurt. But it's in the Word of God, and all the Scripture is inspired by God. Congregation, please remember, read your Bible every day. Please. Carol and I, the pastors, we're going to have to report to Jesus one day. He's going to ask us whether we got you into church or into his Word. You can go to church and be lost as can be. You got to get in that Word, have a walk with Jesus. You know the background of the story. Israelites have been brought out of Egypt under the mighty hand of God. There was 10 plagues. There were 10 plagues that were sent to punish Pharaoh and Egypt. They wouldn't let the people go. Then came Passover night. The last plague was the death of the firstborn. And then the one before that was darkness, darkness. And that's something God sent a plague of this total dark. I've been reading about heaven and hell, and it's interesting that it could be that one of the characteristics of hell is total darkness forever. If God is light and heaven is filled with light, then what would the opposite place be? Dark. So after the 10th plague, Israel left. They were led by God to the Red Sea. They started complaining, what are we going to do? And then God told Moses, what are you doing there? Stop, just put that staff out. The Red Sea opened, they passed through miraculously. Then the minute that's over, Moses, they have the Song of Moses, which is many verses, and it's a song of triumph. And then this is what happens. When Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophet, so God used Miriam. You know, Miriam was one of the people, isn't that interesting? She was a prophet, God used her, and yet she was a pain in the neck to Moses (laughs) because when he married a black woman, she got this all, you know the story, right? He he married an Ethiopian. She didn't like it as if it was her business. So how could she be a prophet if she's a nosy, busybody person? Because that's the way God works. If he waited for perfect people, there'd be no prophets. Am I correct? That encourages all of us. But still, mind your own business, and I'll mind mine. No, that's true. Did she not do that? And yet she was a prophet. She's mentioned, see, the Bible just tells it like it is. You know, people come up to me sometimes over the years and say, see that woman over there? I love her. I want to, you know, marry her. What do you feel? What do you think? I don't know. I married her. How would I know who you're supposed to marry? It's hard enough figuring out who we're supposed to marry. So don't be careful when people go always talking about, oh, God showed me. Just be very careful of that. So Miriam took 
the prophet Aaron's sister took a timbrel, tambourine, in her hand, and all the women followed her, and with timbrels and dancing. So they're doing a Jewish kind of thing, shaking the timbrel, doing whatever the step was. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Let's read this together that out loud. Miriam sang to them. Come on, loud. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled. So what do we learn here as we leave tonight? Notice, sing to the Lord. Not sing about the Lord, sing to the Lord. Yes, sing about the Lord. But when you sing in this building or at home, sing to the Lord. To the Lord. Don't sing to hear yourself. Don't sing to compare your voice with somebody else. Sing to the Lord. Sing personally from your heart to the Lord. When Carol and I were stuck in Florida for 16 months, we went some places that just totally flabbergasted my wife and I, because not even 15% of the congregation were singing during the praise and worship. If God is the audience and we're doing praise and worship, who are we singing to? We're singing to the Lord. You're not watching the Sioux and the people up here. Don't follow what they're doing, but sing to the Lord. Come on, do I get an amen? amen. Sing to the Lord. Sing, be conscious of that. My heart now is going to sing to you. We need more of that. Because in heaven, we're going to be singing to the Lord. No casual singing, no cafe latte, no anything like that. It's going to be like, oh, worthy is the lamb. Worthy. Can't, how many can't wait to that? Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Sing to the Lord. For he is highly exalted, or he has done glorious things. I think to NL. He has. He is highly exalted. We sing to the Lord about what he has done. We give him all the glory, not our church, not the pastor, not a denomination. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. I heard this on television the other day, Christian television. Actually, it was very good, I thought, was said. This minister said, you know, God will share everything with you except one thing. He'll give you money. He'll give you health. He'll give you strength. He'll give you revelation. He'll give you whatever you want, but he'll never give you his glory. God will not share his glory with a soul. He deserves all the glory. I think it was Tozer who said, Tozer, this preacher, said, you know, a lot of preachers were tempted to be like, let's preach and dazzle them with the footwork and all of that. And he said, a lot of preachers pray this way, God, you deserve all the glory but could I have a tithe? Just a little tithe of your glory? Could somebody just mention, good job, Jim. Good job. That was good. No, he gets all the glory. He will not share his glory. He'll give you everything you need. But one thing he will never, ever give anyone. And how many churches or ministers can we lose out with God when we want a piece of the action? We want people to notice us. Let's give God all the glory. If you believe that, give a loud hand clap. Come on. All the glory to God. All the glory. Okay, we're done almost. Both horse. I like the other translation there. I guess the King James. The horse and the rider. The driver. Oh, see, that's good. Ah, that's good. The N N this NIV, I think. 
both horse and driver he has hurled in the sea. The other version has, I think, the horse and the rider he has thrown in the sea. So what does horse mean? What, what did that mean? What happened? They've just come through a moment of exhilaration. What does it mean, the horse and the rider he's thrown in the sea? I got it. There were horses, there were drivers, and they're in the sea, and they're in nomas. But what does that mean spiritually? Horse in the Old Testament always stands for power and might. People depended on horses and depended on what the horses were dragging. If you know the story, they weren't riding on horses like cowboys in the West. They were riding chariots. And the chariot was so tempting to trust in that God would not allow his people to have chariots. Because if you have chariots, you'll think your chariots got the victory. No chariots for you. Just trust in me and I'll give you the victory. The horse and the chariot connected is a sign of the enemy's power. And God is saying, look back. I defeated all the power that was against you. Where would some of us be tonight if it wasn't for Jesus and the power of the cross? How many might be dead tonight? How many who knows where you would be, where I would be? The horse, those chariots, the power of Christ, greater is he that's in us than the one that's in the world. Oh, but I hear demons are being let loose in the last days. Stop it. Whatever the demons are, the name of Jesus is greater than any demon. Come on, let's say amen loud, loud. Don't focus on the power of the enemy. Focus on the power of Christ. The power of Christ. Sometimes people talk so much about demons, they almost like they lose Jesus in all, of their, in all of their navigating through all the demonology stuff. So now, the horse and the driver. See, this is what NIV did. It's not the rider. It's the driver. The driver. The enemy. The enemy who hated those Israelites and wanted to keep them in subjection. So what Miriam was singing. Come on. Sing to the Lord. The horse and the driver he's thrown in the sea. Not only is Christ greater than the power of the enemy, but whoever is against you and me tonight, anyone in the universe, Jesus is greater than anyone who hates us, tries to bring us back into subjection. Come on. No, I, I, I think we ought to clap and say amen to that. So let me just interject this because the pastors were talking about it here today. So people sometimes say, so when is Pastor Moo going to preach about uh, what's going on in the Middle East and what's it all mean? I don't know what it means. My prophecy chart is in very bad condition right now. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. I don't know what it means. There were other attacks. Wasn't there a 67 war? And there were other wars. And Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars. So... Christians have made fools of themselves over the last hundred years. Come to my office and I'll show you some really wonderful men and women of God who were sure that they could tell you what was happening from the Bible. Because our temptation is to what's going on in current events, we want to apply it to the Bible. What we, you know, what's happening in my life, this is found in the Bible. But sometimes it's not. And if you say that it is, did I lose my Bible? There it is telling you to read it. I don't even have one here with me on the platform. Did you know that in, in 1914, 1915, World War I, Kaiser of Germany, who Germany started the war, 
that Kaiser was the Antichrist. Everyone was preaching about it in all the churches, and people were going, amen, but God's going to... He wasn't the Antichrist. Then, you know, after the war, there were prophecy conferences everywhere. It's a good time to talk about it. Those watching online, listen to what I'm saying. The prophecy conferences, especially upstate New York, famous ones, and they were going to map out everything. This is what And then, before Hitler came on the scene, Mussolini started to lead the Italian people in a renaissance, resurgence, and men were traveling around the country with charts with the profile of Mussolini. He had that Roman, classic Roman profile, and they would say, see the profile? Look the numbers that you can see. Six, six, six. He was just an Italian guy. Now they got six, six, six on him. He's the one. Guess what? He wasn't. And unbelievers listen to that and go, that's a joke. I thought you said that was, remember Y2K? Ooh, the earth's going to stop spinning. And what happened? <laughs> Nothing happened. It just went, came and they went. Then Hitler came on the scene and he's killing Jewish people for sure. Is this not the Antichrist? It wasn't. Oh, so now they have drones, and that's in Revelation. That's those things, uh, and that have the green hornet kind of look. And no, and, but when we keep saying that, thus saith the Lord, that's what it means. We hold ourselves up to ridicule, and we make God's word look foolish. How many get what I'm just saying? Raise your hand and just say amen. So listen, I, I want to preach the word of God, but I can't preach something to you that I don't see backed up that I'm sure of in scripture. That's not nice. That would be my opinion. You want to have coffee? We can talk about it. But to publicly preach, this is what this all means. I don't know what it means. Hamas, I don't know what that means. Hezbollah, the Jews, Israel, is there is it going to be more? Is it going to be a world? I don't know. Do you know? You don't. Don't lie. You don't know. And you're up in your apartment in Bay Ridge. What are you going to change? You're on 54th Street and 7th Avenue. You're not going to change anything over there. God's got the whole thing under control. Come on. Come on. Say amen to that. So the pastors and I were talking today about this. The, after Jesus rose from the dead, Acts chapter 1, he's not going to be with them much longer. What do the disciples do? They ask him a prophecy question. Is it this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Tell us, because there's a lot of Christians who are immature. They like sensational stuff. They, want to re- they don't want to read the Bible. They want to watch the news and try to figure it out. But I'm warning you, all kinds of men and women that I've respected, as I read, I almost want to cry. Like, oh, they should have never said that. They were sure. Oh, in the, in the 70s, Kissinger. They, they figured out, I had a minister call me, if you take Henry Kissinger's name and give a numerical value, A through Z, 1 all the way through 26, and you give a, his name, the full name, comes out to be 666. The guy called me. He said, Jim, you don't know? Kissinger's the Antichrist. I was like, I'm hungry. I'm going to go out and have something to eat. I, I don't, I'm not sure. But God's going to take care of us. Don't try to figure it out. So listen to what Jesus said. Here's a good word for all of you. Don't get caught up in this stuff, demonology or in all the, all the fake prophets coming out of the woodwork. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has in his hand, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Our job today is not to figure out the, the, the prophecy clock. 
Let's just witness to people. We prayed today that this Thanksgiving and Christmas season, we will see more souls come to Jesus than the history of our church. Come on, can we say amen to that? I know, but they're saying, I don't care what they're saying. They've been saying things for decades. Everything's the end of the world with some people, right? And when the world ends, we're going home. What's the big thing? We're going home. How many are looking forward to going home, right? I know, but we could die. I know to die is Christ. To die is better than living. Paul, Paul was torn between the two. So anyway, I'm going off tangent here, but I wanted to say that to you. Don't, don't. I, we have no statement because we're not sure. I mean, what does it mean? It means that Hamas wants to kill all the Jews and drive them into the sea. That we're sure of. And we're also sure of innocent Palestinians are going to die, unfortunately. Innocent Israel, uh, Israelis are, are dying. And war is hell. Do we all agree on that? And I don't want to glorify Israel. I'm not glorifying Hamas or the thing. It's just sad. But let's witness to people. The angels don't rejoice when you figure out prophecy. The angels rejoice when one sinner repents. Just let's work on that. So the horse and the rider, the driver, he's thrown in the sea. Everything enemies thrown against us. Jesus has defeated it up to this point. How many can look back on your life? Everything he's thrown at us, you're here tonight and you're praising the Lord. Lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. The horse and the driver, he is thrown into the sea. We're here on solid ground, and the Lord's going to walk with us. But there's more than that means with, and I close. You know what else was defeated by the Lord? Not just the horse and the driver. You know what else was defeated? This was defeated, and it applies to you and me. Two chapters before, listen to this. They said to Moses, this is at the Red Sea, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptian. Let us be slaves. Let us be chained up by them. It would have been better for us to serve. Oh, what did God feel when he heard that? It's better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. In other words, we'd rather go back where you brought us out from and because we're going to die here. But why would you? he bring you through the Red Sea? Dude, he just opened the Red Sea. No, they were complaining. The Red Sea had not been opened yet, but they saw 10 plagues. And when it got all done... Miriam led the women out, and they were singing. The horse and the driver, he's thrown in the sea. Sing to the Lord. Praise him. Think of the great things he has done. One of the greatest things he's done, he's shown mercy to us when we didn't have the faith of a slug, and we complained. Come on, do I have anybody here with me today? In your past, you complained, you ran scared. I, I wish, why, why, where's God when I need him? And all of that, God heard all of that. And in his love and mercy, he said, okay, I'm still going to deliver you. Some of us, if we would have been God, nobody would come through that Red Sea. Just, who, you belly aching babies. But God is so good. I'm talking about myself. 
I'm ashamed of so much of my unbelief in God. And God is so merciful. I'm still here today. The horse and the driver he's thrown in the sea. How many can say amen to that? Amen. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just want you to know, I want to close by praising God because I realize now he's thrown the horse and the driver into the sea for me. And in my weakness and my failures, when he could have done pow-pow, instead of pow-pow, he brought me through. You want to come here to the front? We're going to close by praising Jesus. We've prayed. There's a time for everything under the sun, time for intercession, time for preaching, and then there's a time to just flat out praise the Lord. Everyone stand. Come on. Anybody want to come up here and doubly celebrate? You can do whatever you want. Lord, we ask your healing touch for our deaconess, our sister Janet Talbert. Oh, yes, Jesus. Come. Just pass by, let her touch the hem of your garment. Just the touch of your hem of your garment, Lord. Bring healing to her. I present to you in closing, Lord, the church in Sulphur, Louisiana. Bless the man of God, the pastor. Use him mightily to see a work there done that will glorify Jesus. I lift up to you the church, Pastor Ed, in San Antonio, Texas. Would you fill them with your wisdom and power and might? You've already blessed them so much, but give greater blessings, Lord. Let them become like a lighthouse in that part of Texas. Not religion, but Jesus and the word and the power of the spirit. And I lift up my dear, precious friend, Pastor Willie Rice, Lord, and the great group of men with him from that outstanding church, Lord. My, have you done wonderful things in Calvary Church, Lord, in Clearwater. Let them go back refreshed with the full blessing of God on them. New wisdom, new boldness, a deeper faith than they've ever had before. Now get us all home safely. No accidents, no other problems, Lord. Bless the offering as the people leave. And we give you all the praise. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I know we've been clapping a lot, but one last standing ovation for our Lord. Turn around and greet a bunch of people. Greet our friends from Florida. Come on, go over there and say hello to Florida. And San Antonio. And Louisiana. Come on, say hello. Hello.